gore And sometimes a little more My Bloody Podcast <laughs> And hello everyone, boys, girls Dogs, cats living together, mass hysteria in Dallas, Texas, as it's been raining 105,000 inches. That's where my bloody podcast takes place. I'm Brian Kluger with Boomstick Comics and High Def Digest, and this is the Multimedia Men Podcast, part of the podcast network. And uh, yes, this is my bloody podcast, episode number 25. We're only... A few days and nights away from Halloween, so we're getting into the very fun horror Halloween type of movies. Very excited, and of course, with me, as always, is the best man in the entire universe. He's a guardian. He's an Avenger. He's part of the DC Justice League, Preston Botta. How are you, good sir? I'm very good. More so a Marvel character than a dc one but <laughs> still a good title to have i suppose it is reporting yeah. from underwater <laughs> reporting from underwater with aquaman so i guess i'm more dc yeah than uh, aquaman's land there's not a is there is there a, a fish man thing in marvel right now i don't think so uh, I'm sure there is, but I'm not uh, up to date on comic book. That should be your department. That's true. I was trying to remember. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. Maybe Into the Spider-Verse, the movie coming out, there's going to be like a Spider-Man fish thing, which, you know, will be fun at some point. But we'll see when we get there. But you doing all right? You're gearing up for Halloween, watching lots of horror movies? Lots of horror movies, lots of Shout Factory films and Shout Selects, man. I've been watching stuff nonstop and taking care of my, my child, working, and going to go see the new Halloween movie again tonight with my wife. So, uh, yeah, I am up to my neck in water and in horror films. Good. Uh, speaking about your wife, Haley, did you have a great time on the show last week? She did, yeah. Uh, we both had a really good time. It's just, it's fun to see like how she talks differently on the podcast versus because I'm mean, versions of ourselves when we come on these podcasts. But uh, just to get her perspective behind the mask, which we both both enjoy and love, but we haven't really dissected it in that way before. So that was fun. Cool, we'll have to have her on the show again at some point, for sure. But, we have an excellent show today. It is 25, this is the episode 25, Preston. Can you believe we've done 25 episodes? Holy shit. Yeah, no, we can get off our parents' insurance. I know, finally. And we can, um, I think it's 25 when you can legally rent a car, right? Yeah, like we are fully on adults like we can have a baby now i guess you could have a baby earlier but we uh we were responsible we uh took the proper steps and made sure we 
had the education we need to go out in the world. This is stupid, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. My bloody podcast. Look us up on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and everything else. Uh, Our main event today is the 1982 movie Creep Show by Stephen King and George Romero, which we're very excited to talk about. And we have bloody questions and bloody recommendations. And of course, some news. Uh, Let's talk about some news first. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, Let, let's, let's just jump right in there. Uh, we talked a little bit about the Evil Dead 4K, uh, recently. Uh, they released Sam Raimi's Evil Dead from 1981 on 4K, and it was awesome. And of course, of course, they are, they have announced they are releasing Evil Dead 2, um, on 4K, Blu-ray, and digital, uh, coming December 11th, in time for Christmas. Not in time for Hanukkah, but in time for Christmas this year. Uh, yeah. it will have Dolby Vision. There are new extras. I'm so excited. Preston, are you excited? Yes, I still need to get, uh, you know, a 4K player and everything, but I did buy Halloween on 4K, so I'm excited for that. Now I just... I guess for Christmas, need to ask for a 4K player. But, uh, and I wanted to get Evil Dead, because uh, that's a pretty good price right now at Target and Walmart, so I need to get that. So, But yeah, I love the, the cover design, and I'm excited for any new features. Um, so, yeah, once yeah. I make those proper steps, I'll uh, be happy to dive into all that, so you'll be ahead of me. Yeah, I'm excited. I think most of the extras from the previous release will be included, but the new one is called Mm. Bloody and Groovy Baby, and I guess it says it's a tribute to Sam Raimi's Evil Dead 2, which I don't know if it's like new cast and crew interviews or just fans talking about it, but either way, new stuff. And then on the 4K disc as well, there is an audio commentary with Raimi and Campbell, Spiegel and Nicotero, which I don't think is a new one. However, if you've never heard it, or even if you've heard it, these commentaries are legendary and hilarious. So absolutely, I'm all the way in. Very excited. Uh, moving on to another release. Uh, I think Press and I are really excited about this. Scream Factory is releasing a yeah. box set of four films. Leo DiCaprio's first feature film he ever did. Critters 1, 2, 3, and 4. Leo's first movie being Critters 3, which took place in the big bad New York City. Uh, yes, I just, I can't wait. Critters is one of my all-time favorite movies ever. Not even a horror movie. And there's new commentaries on every film. There's new extras on every film. Oh, I, I don't even know what to do with myself. I'm just so happy. Yeah. No, no Leo commentary though. You know what? Has Leo ever done a commentary? Because I don't understand. Like Screen Factory should have taken all the money they've made, like for the year, and be like, Leo, we need you for commentary on Critters Three. Here's like five million dollars, and that would have been awesome. Yeah, it would would be awesome. I, yeah, he just he is just like the most professional dude out there. Not really. I guess that's why I love Wolf of Wall Street so much because he's so fun. And so I like to imagine like that's how he is in real life. And so (laughs) I think he is. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I guess so. If you started that whole whole, uh, woman's club that he was in in the 90s. But uh, yeah, it would be interesting to get 
a commentary with him or even just an interview of him because he's like, I'm so past it all now. He's like, yeah, he just he wouldn't do it, but would be cool. Yeah, you know, Leo DiCaprio, I mean, he made this movie and you see him in Wolf of Wall Street, like Preston said, but don't you want to see him in like a Judd Apatow movie or like star with Seth yeah. Rogen or something like that? Like he starred with Jonah yeah. Hill, but not in like, there's something yeah. fun and wacky. I mean, I yeah. don't know. Yeah. And it's like, it's got to have awards potential or it ain't happening. Which is weird. I don't think you should pick movies by that reason alone, but oh well. Yeah. Like, like, uh, you know, um, Philip Seymour Hoffman kind of, I think we've talked about this before too. Um, is kind of like, was like that as well, but yet he still did a movie like, well, you know, he started out with Twister, so he got it or started out with other films, but got to Twister. And so he could just got to a point where he can just make any kind of movie he wanted. And then so, but he still managed to do movies like, uh, the hunger Games series. Um, and, uh, along came Polly, which is one of my favorite films that he did just cause he's just having fun. And so I think Wolf of wall street was the closest that we could ever get to like Leo, just having fun with the role, but still it has that, uh, you know, it was Martin Scorsese. It was um, he was nominated. So, yeah, I yeah. would love for him to do something a little more ridiculous. Correct, correct. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cool. But yeah, Critters, Scream Factory, it is coming. Uh, it's never been on Blu-ray before. Uh, it's awesome. It's coming out on Thanksgiving, November twenty-seventh, two thousand eighteen. Uh, actually, the <laughs> Tuesday before Thanksgiving. And, oh, 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 my God, I can't wait. So, yeah. yes, Evil Dead 2 and Critters, the entire movie collection. I actually asked for an interview with Terrence Mann, <laughs> so hopefully I get that, because I would love to interview the guy who sang Power of the Night, Streets Are Calling, because yeah. I love it. I love it. All right, um, moving on. Let's talk about this movie uh, which uh, it sounds really interesting. Uh, the movie is called Escape Room. Do you know about this movie, Preston? Yeah, I watched the trailer. What do you think? Um, kind of coming. It's weird because I'm coming off of watching that film that I recommended uh, last week or the week before, Extreme Extremity, yes. which also kind of dealt with like an escape room type thing more so like just uh aggressive not aggressive but just like a haunted house that interacts with people and is allowed to touch you and do whatever they want um so it's kind of tapping in that idea so i do i watching the trailer i'm getting a vibe that it's like one of those throwaway horror films um that kind of pop up every year like you you find out about them like almost it seems like the week of that it's about to come out even though this one comes out next year i believe um, but it just has, it's just rubbing me the wrong way. Like, I just have a feel that it's the quality is not going to be there. Kind of like truth or dare or something like that, where you think that it might be smart and interesting, but it's, it, it's not. So for, for me watching the trailer, it just kind of see, seeing it as a film about an escape room, people go into an escape room and then, uh, like psychos are running it and it's, turns into like saw and so that to me doesn't seem interesting enough um so like for extremity 
they it was going into why do people go to these things and, and in that film it was a woman that was dealing with trauma and she had a hard time kind of uh, freeing herself from her past and it was kind of like going through a new kind of trauma to uh, rid herself or get herself to a, a, a level to where she can live again. And so I, I like that idea. It, need, it needs to be deeper, but then it's just a trailer, so they can't really show you all the twists and turns that are in it. But from a surface level, it just seems kind of basic to me and not uh, interesting enough. Yeah, I, that, the trailer looks okay to me. Like it looks like they spent some time on a few things here and there. It just, yeah, yeah. what have we like set designs there? Yes, but like it, it might just be something like Preston said, saw where like, oh, we've seen this already. It just kind of has a different setup. Um, so, what are we going to see differently? What are they going to bring new and original to this genre? So we'll see. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I've had conversations with actually Larry, Larry Cohen, uh, earlier this week. And, uh, we talked about like there, if you're going to make a horror movie, like there has to be a reason behind it other than just being like, Oh, this will scare the shit out of people. Um, I feel like at this point in my life, like I gravitate towards horror films that have something more on its mind. Um, and it can just come up in the most subtle ways. So I'm going to give the movie the opportunity to feed me something a little more than just people going to an escape room and then shit going wrong. But, um, so we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll figure that out. And I'm glad you talked with Larry Cohen because that documentary is still so good. So very, yes. very much fun. Um, yeah, so that this movie, Escape Room, comes out January 4th, 2019, making it probably the first movie of 2019 to come out. It's a horror movie, and I would imagine it's going to make at least $20 million, if not more, because it's got the Saw type of vibe to it, and it's a horror movie. Everybody's going to be wanting to see something after yeah. the first of the year, so it probably will do well. It's a good time for it to come out. I'll say that. Yeah. So. Um. Well, January is usually the graveyard season, but sometimes it's nice to have a palate cleanser, as we say, uh, especially coming off the award season. Maybe somebody, people need something that's not as intellectual. So that might, it might be going completely against everything of what I'm wanting from a horror movie, but, uh, and they're just kind of chasing money because it has nobody that I know in the movie. Um, I think I recognize like one of the blonde girls in the film, but I, um, nobody worthy of, uh, or like anybody that I know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know anybody either. We'll see how it goes. We'll, we'll probably, I'll probably be there for January, the, the January screen. If not, they, they screen it sooner. I don't know. Uh, yeah. but moving on in a bit of very cool news, Paramount has set the release date of May 15th, 2020, which we got a little while, year and a half more, uh, for the sequel to A Quiet Place, which John Krasinski is currently writing himself. Uh, are you excited about this? Do we need a sequel? Do we want a sequel without him? What's going on? 
Um, this news is very exciting to me uh, because I've already kind of got through the the talk of there being a sequel, so I just kind of felt that it was inevitable, especially for how critically and commercially successful it was, which is pretty unheard of. And I, I'm just excited that he's involved because he was on a couple of talk shows and did a couple of interviews in the past couple of months where he said he has like a, a realistic or a good idea about how to go about it and not just kind of do the same thing over again. Um, he, he had expressed interest in like, what are the other people doing around them? Like, there's just like such a big world that they, a big playground that they can uh, have fun in. And I, I trust that he'll, he'll uh, make good decisions with the story. Um, I think there's, as we've seen in other films, other franchises or franchises in the making that, it can go very, very wrong, but as, especially after if you after you've made like a really good first entry, uh, sometimes it's just kind of best to leave it alone. But um, I think that he'll come up with something that's that's good. Uh, I, he's always sounded very smart in the way that he. Uh, uh, expresses his ideas and he's very articulate. So I think that he could uh, create something very good. So uh, very on board. Yeah, me too. I love the first one and I'm curious to see what he's writing with his little idea for this second one is I wonder if it'll be like a direct sequel with the same family, a different family, or even if there will be flashbacks to him again, uh, like yeah. right as this first started sort of thing. And maybe him building the whole, thing on the farmhouse. And I wonder if he's coming back to direct as well. Do yeah. know. So I'm excited about it. I am. I'm very, yeah. very excited. Uh, another piece of news. Let's talk about the Simpsons, uh, that is coming back new Simpsons season and they will be debuting with Treehouse of horror number. Uh, is it, is it 29? Oh my God. Or is it 30? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 29. 29. And uh, I love the Treehouse of Horror films or episodes so much. Uh, so, yeah, it is uh, going to be on Sunday night, October 21st, which is this Sunday. And it looks like uh, um, some of the episodes will spoof uh, Jurassic World, <laughs> uh, maybe uh, Body Snatchers. And uh, Homer eating uh, uh, in an eating contest with a uh, Cthulhu. Is that how you say that? Cthulhu? Yeah. Call it Cthulhu. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'm excited about this. Do you like The Simpsons? Do you like these uh, treehouse? Um, I, I like The Simpsons when I was younger, when it was pretty much like the thing that was on. Um but since then, I've kind of moved past it. It's a lot of television, kind of like South Park. You just kind of—it's very hard to kind of, you know, as Pokemon says, catch them all. But I—I uh, I like it. I can tune back in when they do fun stuff like this. Uh, for instance, the Goldbergs. I don't know if they have already or or doing uh, coming up. Um, they're doing like a fun episode where they're bringing back Robert England to play Freddy Krueger on the show. 
So I think it's great when uh, shows where I don't necessarily watch all of it and it's not required for me to kind of watch, have all the knowledge of the series before watching like an episode like this. So uh, I just kind of know what to expect from all these shows and uh, having watched a few of them. And then, you know, kind of like you've seen one, you've seen them all in a lot of ways, but uh, yeah, I, I would tune into something like this. Yeah. I'm excited. The poster for it is excellent. And I just, I'm just very excited. And I think there's so many vignettes segments of the Treehouse of horrors that I love, of course, like the shinning, uh, which is great. The nightmare on Elm street one is really good. Uh, and the very first one with the, the death house is great, but yeah, I'm looking forward to this. I, I've always loved Simpsons. I, I watch it almost every day, at least an episode or two. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. I'm, I'm glad we get, we get more, more of this. And I'm glad they're going to be spoofing Jurassic World, which it, that those movies definitely need spoofing for sure. So, oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, moving on. New Child's Play. I know we've talked about the New Child's Play stuff um, and the New Child's Play movie and TV series. And it just – everything I'm seeing about, like the poster for it, it the poster – Chucky doesn't look like he should. It looks really weird. Uh, and just like him being a robot doll is very weird. And how like basically early plot or the plot is what it is right now is that the doll gets hacked by a factory worker to remove like its limitations and make it a killer. So it's not like a serial killer put it. It's not voodoo. It's like robotic. And I just think that's awful. Um and like David Katzenberg and Seth Graham Smith and the guy who wrote Kung Furry 2, which ridiculous, wrote the script. So I don't know, man. I like I want to like this. I just don't know if I can. What do you think? Um, I mean, I've said it ever since we've been talking about it on the past couple of episodes we've done reporting on the latest updates on this. And I was like, with every news that kind of comes out, like, I just don't think it's going to win me over. Um, I don't, I think that it just doesn't like everybody's been saying doesn't need a reboot. Uh, and yeah, I'm right there with you. I don't think the, the design, the story thus far, just doesn't have me interested in seeing how it's going to be. I think I will still go because uh, out of curiosity, just to see like, Oh, how, how, how much could they really fuck this up? <laughs> Let's see. Um, but I, it, it doesn't have me excited about a, a rebirth of this, uh, franchise because it's fine and it's still continuing. And, and, and I will follow that direction because don't mess with something that doesn't need any fixing. I agree. Yeah. If you take a look at the posters or the, the images from the film, you just like, yeah, that doesn't look good. And like, I like yeah. Aubrey Plaza, but I have no idea what to think of her in this role. Like I can't imagine her dry kind of humor in this movie, but ugh, I, yeah. I don't know. I think they're going about it all wrong here. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm out. Uh, mostly I think, uh, but yeah, there's that. And then one more piece of news. Um, 
my good friend that I've known for a long time, his new TV show has come out on Netflix today. Please check it out. My friend is David Price, and he produced uh, a new Netflix original series, which I think Preston might be interested in. It's called Haunted, uh, out on Netflix mm-hmm. today. And it's basically kind of a documentary series, kind of like Making the Killer, but it's basically real people sit down with friends and family to share their true stories from their past, uh, recreating through uh, reenactments about the hauntings they've supposedly seen. Uh, so, mm-hmm. like, kind of, kind of like uh, the the nightmare. Yes. You know, when I had dis- discussed that, like, th- they have people kind of bring in. Th- does he bring like a a cinematic quality to like these reenactments? Yes, or, it's, it's uh, very high budget. Uh, reenactments. Very cool. Yeah, so it's kind of like the rea- reality type of sh- documentary type of show with the horror and mm-hmm. everything, but it is a brand new series uh, on Netflix called Haunted, and it came out today. So uh, if you want to get into the uh, horror mood, you should check that out. But yeah, there's a. Uh, I believe there are six episodes so far, and they cover. Uh, like the woman in white, like a ghost, a slaughterhouse, a demon, children, uh, aliens, and gravestones. So uh, supposedly, um, yeah, going to be crazy. So check that out, Haunted Netflix. Um, yeah. Does that sound good? Any Anything else you want to add to the news section? Uh, no. All right. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's do bloody questions uh, with a fun one. I'm curious to see what Preston has to answer this with. But bloody question uh, of the week, episode 25 of my bloody podcast. My bloody question is, what is the best jump scare in a non-horror film? Best jump scare in a non-horror movie. So you can't name a horror movie because, of course, that wins. But yeah. what's the best jump scare in a non-horror movie? <laughs> Exorcist 3. Um, <laughs> um, I have two. Uh, one means more to me, though. Um, I don't like the movie, we say. But it's the first movie that my wife and I then uh, wasn't even my girlfriend. We were just dating. It was our first date. Uh, when me and Haley went to go see this Mel Gibson movie called Edge of Darkness. Ah. Not Edge of Tomorrow with Tom Burns, but <laughs> um, I was really, I think it's actually written, if I'm not mistaken, by William Monaghan, who did The Departed. Um, and The Departed is my other jump scare. When Leo gets shot in the head, that that just made me very startled. Shot uh, in Edge of <laughs> Huh? I said shocking, shocking. Um, Yeah. Um, But in Edge of Darkness, like, I can't even tell you, like, what the movie was really about. Uh, Like, because I saw it that one time, completely forgot. But I I think this moment, because I feel like it, it's kind of like, you know, when you put your arm around a girl, and then she gets freaked out, and then she grabs your arm. Like, it's like... You're, you're making the steps towards, like, building something very beautiful together. And so um, there was one jump scare of, like, kind of like a bride of Chucky. 
you know, when somebody or uh, meet Joe Black when somebody's like right on the edge of the street and then they get hit by a car. Um, so the whole movie just has like a th- like a thriller, but it's not it's very dry. Like there's not a lot of interest there. Um, but this moment just kind of comes out of nowhere where somebody gets hit by a car and then it caused Haley to freak out and she grabbed my arm and uh, I married her. So, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, there, there's the shortcut to that's how it happened. I, I completely think that movie. No, I'm kidding. Um, but it was just a really nice moment in a, uh, in a, a scary one in that, in that moment. So, um, yeah, edge of, edge of darkness. Nice. So edge of darkness. What else you, what, what was your other one? It was the departed. Oh, the departed, yeah. departed, the Leo. All right, I've got, I've got three. Um, okay. My number one's actually a TV show, and it happened recently. Uh, Better Call Saul, episode uh, season three. Uh, Kim Wexler, um, Jimmy McGill's uh, love interest, Saul Goodman's love interest, gets in a car wreck very unexpectedly, and that. I jumped so high when that happened, when the car wreck is kind of similar to what you said. But, yeah, car wreck, man, that's that made me jump for sure. Um, number two, in the dark night, uh, when the Batman lookalike uh, is hung from the, the building and smashes up against oh, yeah. the wall in the mayor's office, that scared the shit out of me. And then... Because uh, Hans Zimmer does that violin sound... <laughs> Yes, yes. And then perhaps the scariest one in a non-horror movie is Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Rings, when motherfucking Bilbo Baggins turns into, like, a demon for a second. <laughs> Out of nowhere. <laughs> it's a yeah, very yeah, sentimental... Yeah, number one. <laughs> it's a very Good sentimental call. scene. And yeah. I remember vividly in the theater, everybody dying laughing after it happened because yeah. we all jumped at the same time. Yep. That's a good one. <laughs> so I would have to go with those. Um, I was trying to think of a comedy one, and the only thing that came to me was uh, Pineapple Express when they were in the woods and Seth Rogen's in the car and um, – James Franco like popped up on the window and scared Seth Rogen and he screamed and uh but yeah I was trying to think of something like comedy-esque but yeah no the, the Bilbo holy shit that that scene is still frightening <laughs> There's a couple of good jump scares in Lord of the Rings I remember like one of the troll monsters uh like the big one at the end of Fellowship of the Ring just kind of like pops up out of nowhere in a moment Oh, like yeah. when uh, Frodo's like peeking around the corners. Yes, and he you thought he's going the other way, and then he comes yeah, around the other yeah. way. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. So, uh, so fellowship. Yeah. Hell yeah. Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, what is your uh, favorite jump scare in a non horror movie? Let us know for sure. Um, but yeah, there you go. Uh, let's go on to bloody recommendations where we give you a recommendation of, uh, maybe a new or an old, uh, vintage horror film that may or may not be too popular, but we want to recommend it to you because you have to see it. Uh, Preston, what is your bloody recommendation for this 25th episode of my bloody podcast? Um, I was wrestling with two. 
of them, but I think for this week, for it to um, just kind of click in better with everything of what's coming out in theaters, not everything. There's one movie coming out, Halloween. Um, so I think this is a good opportunity for people who may not be seeing Halloween tonight or have seen it but want to just kind of go back. Uh, I think you should go back and watch uh, Halloween 2. Um, so I guess that's more of like a popular pick, but I think it's one that uh, maybe not be so fresh minds because everybody goes back to the original. And I think that 1981's Halloween uh, is a is a very good follow-up to the original. And I think... <laughs> It's better than the one that's out in theaters this weekend. And just because this Halloween 2 kind of treats it, its material the same way that uh, James Cameron treated the alien material, like the cats out of the bag, so they can just completely have fun with uh, Michael Myers. And that's what they do in the second one, taking place in, like, a hospital, bring back Laurie Stroh, Jamie Lee Curtis, and uh, Donald Pleasance back, Dr. Loomis. And there's uh, really good kills in it and uh, lots of fun to be had. Uh, me and Cole were kind of talking about it uh, recently just because uh, on Twitter, not Twitter, on Instagram right now, it's been every day uh, recommending uh, films to watch all the way leading up to Halloween. And so today I did pick Halloween two, And he said, yeah, it's the most fun that you'll have with uh, any of these films. Because, uh, like I said, cats out of the bag so they can just have fun. And um, so if you have not seen it, uh, watch it. Scream Factory put out a really good copy a couple years ago. And... I know Walmart at one point was selling like the whole eight movie pack, but right now because of the new one coming out, everybody's going to uh, video stores or like movie training co or whatever your store is in whatever place you are. Um, might not have them, but I know you can have access to them like on YouTube and things like that. And so, uh, yeah. Uh, watch Halloween 2, not the Rob Zombie Halloween 2, but uh, the 1981 Halloween. Yeah, it's it's one of those cool horror movies that kind of takes place mostly in a hospital, and it takes place right yeah. after part one. So Yeah, immediately after. Yeah, immediately after. So I, I, li- I, I like part two. I mean, I like most of the movies in the Halloween series, like to a degree, but one, two, three, four, and five for sure. Uh, I love um, uh, uh, I wouldn't say five but uh, <laughs> and I wouldn't say three either but I do like one two four um, not six you don't like Paul um, Rudd? nah it's <laughs> it's okay but no alright um, H2O was fun but yeah we are talking about this with Cole too like uh, we haven't seen it in a long time but it held up it holds up in our mind, but uh, trying to make a point to kind of revisit them all. But I, you know, revisiting Halloween two like really holds up. So uh, yeah, 
recommend seeing that one. It's kind of like a, I've said in my review, uh, it's like a choose your own adventure at this point, except, uh, you know, going with Halloween two, there's obviously more adventure there, but, uh, cause we have eight films, uh, or I guess, was that six, seven? Yeah, so. there's, there's tons. Um, and I, I, I'm glad you mentioned this because I love Halloween too. And, uh, yeah, go do it. That's a good recommendation. Good, sir. Yeah. All right. Um, my recommendation this week is a movie. Most people have not seen. Most people have not seen this movie, but they should. And it's never been released on Blu-ray. Uh, it's only been released on DVD, uh, like once it's super, super rare, hard to find. Uh, mm-hmm. but if you can find it, um, actually I'm going to check Amazon right now for this movie because it's, it's a movie that you should absolutely see. And I don't even know if it's on Netflix or not, but, and I have no idea why like screen factory or some other company, uh, has not, uh, released this movie, uh, differently or or new but uh yeah it is it is um on amazon it is a dvd uh for dvd for 20 bucks good god uh but the movie is called fortress and uh it's from 1985 and it's uh was an australian film in 1985 that went uh to tv only uh through hbo and uh it was it stars Rachel Ward and this movie is very scary in a certain kind of way um fortress is uh, about uh so basically this follows a a teacher uh at this really rural school like there's just like one basically building like small little little house building and the class is a bunch of young kids and it's just one teacher. And that's pretty much it. Uh, there's, it's not like a very big school at all. So it's like one of those, like, Oh, I walk in to this one building and there's just one classroom, one room and a bunch of little kids and one teacher. And that's all there is to this school. So they're out here in Australia when a, uh, band of super violent, uh, bad guys in masks come and kidnap, uh, all the kids and the teacher and bring them out to the middle of nowhere. And, uh, they kill people. It's savage. And then, so basically these, uh, the remaining survivors of the kids and the teacher, uh, basically try to escape. And we're talking about like little kids here, like maybe first or second graders. Um, they try to escape and survive these horrible, horrible, violent dudes um, who are mostly in masks the entire time. So you just never know who they are, uh, which is super scary. Uh, that's the that's the gist of the film. But how it's shot and how the the suspense and the tension is is super super satisfying. And you're just like edge of your seat the whole time. Uh, have you heard of this movie? Have you seen this, Preston? No, I've not heard of it nor seen it. Oh, it is, it is very, very good. Highly recommended. Um, yeah, it was released. Yeah, let's watch some kids die. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> HBO. Sounds great. Yeah, no, no, it is. Uh, HBO. <laughs> it's uh, everybody. W- I mean, to, by today's standards, you know, you're just like, wow, I can't believe it. Because there's some graphic violence in it. Uh, and it, it's super scary. I highly recommend it if you can find it on Amazon for about 20 bucks for just the DVD only. But Scream Factory... Uh, who who else do we like? Kino Lober or even Twilight Time? Please, like, if you have the means, put this out on Blu-ray in a collector's edition. This would be amazing. Uh, because it, it they don't make movies like this anymore. Um, but yeah, the movie is called Fortress, and it's damn good. Uh, so yeah, go see Fortress. Not to not to be confused with the Hidden Fortress or anything else. This is from 1985, Australian movie with Rachel Ward. Uh, look that up. It is excellent. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very good. cool. Yeah. But let's move on to the main event, shall we? Yes. 1982's Creep Show. Oh, my goodness. Spawn two sequels. Uh, and it's George Romero and Stephen King together. It's amazing. Uh, two hours long, animated and live action. Some of the most iconic kind of images and horror are in this movie. I think, uh, Preston, what, Mm. what do you think about this movie? Um, so I watched it when I was very young, but so like a lot of the stuff that we review, like it's brand new to me. Um, I think overall it, uh, this is just me talking from a 2018 perspective. Like, uh, I didn't, I can't really, say that I watched the film religiously as a kid or anything to have any sort of emotional or sentimental, uh, you know, attachment to the material to be, uh, you know, how you can watch like some films, uh, like even the exorcist, you watch it today, show that to a new kid. He'd be like, this is kind of boring at times. Um, there are, I mean, there are, there are five stories in creep show and, Two of them are very good to me, or at least uh, pretty good, and then the rest are okay to mediocre or not very good at all. But I think overall, like, it's fun. I really like the aesthetic of it all. I mean, you said that a lot of iconic horror images come from this. I think it's one of the best, like, comic book kind of feeling films because it incorporates that whole style into the film of it opening with a kid loving horror. So that kind of speaks to like horror fans uh, like myself and just wanting to kind of, uh, you know, dive into that world, but your parents or whoever your guardian just keeps you from uh, exploring that further because they think that you should be, you know, doing like normal kid stuff. I don't know. So, um, yeah, this kid has a uh, comic book. Dad's pissed off at him. And even uh, in a mission impossible kind of way, uh, teases everything for what you're about to watch when uh, he takes the comic the comic book away from him, throws in the trash or whatever, and uh, he's like, the de- the stepdad or dad says uh, like hey, he shouldn't be watching stuff with uh, monsters from crates and people turn into 
brass for God's sakes. So it's an, it, there's like a lot of little clever bits here and there that kind of set up everything. And, um, like, a comic book, co- uh, ends up in the street and then we just kind of go through these five stories until it's like picked up and then we go back to the kid again. So, uh, the first story is father's day. Which is super, yeah, it's super funny because I think what Creepshow does is like, I don't think it'll scare anybody to this day, but it's actually pretty funny. Uh, Like there's some funny moments to it, but I think overall these little vignettes are great. But yeah, Father's Day, which is just more funny than scary, but stars a very young and (laughs) very handsome Ed Harris. (laughs) Yeah, he's got got a little bit of hair. Yes, he does. uh, He's... He's uh, he gets a, even a, a random ass scene where he gets to show off his dance moves. <laughs> sweet dance move. You want to bust a sweet dance move? Yes. I'm pretty sure like <laughs> he just asked for that to happen. <laughs> yeah. I really, I got some really nice jeans on today, and I just really want to shake my ass a little. Seriously, absolutely. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, I think this is one of the better ones just because we're working in territory that George Romero is very good at, uh, having zombie, having a central zombie in the film. Um, but yeah, this one, real briefly, is about a relative who comes home to visit the gravesite of her father who she had killed um, it's kind of like one of those, if you've ever seen the movie Bernie, uh, with Jack Black and Shirley MacLaine, like he gets to the point where he's so pissed off and just does this act of violence and then is kind of just having to deal with it from there. Um, because they, from here, it's a little, it's a little meteor, uh, meteor, um, because uh, we're dealing with trauma. There's the the zombie when it comes out of the grave later on in the story. It says, like, I want my cake for Father's Day. And you can kind of interpret that as, like, maybe he sexually abused her. But let's just say that he just emotionally abuses her. If we take it on a surface level, you can kind of interpret it any which way you want. But... I think it's it's a interesting story. Um, it doesn't capitalize on a lot of its potential to, especially for Romero. Like I want for this particular story because it's a lot of setup, and I think backstory is very important. But it almost has it focuses on the most uninter- uninteresting bits of the story, like that random ass dancing, which is fine. That stuff can happen, but it could just kind of get the ball rolling a little quicker. And I think that's a, a fundamental problem with a lot of these stories. Like some of them are around 30 minutes, some are a little bit longer, and you can just kind of feel the time. Like you're checking your watch. I don't know what it's like for you today, but uh, I I'm, I get that feeling. Like they should have uh, explored more of the zombie kills and um, like even – one of the other relatives that's in the film, the the famous that we get of 
this woman being decapitated or getting her neck snapped and then ripped off and put on a platter. And that's supposed to be the cake, which is a, a horrifying image, but, but done silly, it, the, it's a silly way. Yeah. It, it's, it's silly, but it, it should have been aunt Edna, the woman that kills her father. <laughs> yes. Like yes. that, that would have made it like full circle. So I feel like it's fine. Like there's a lot of, uh, really good, imagery and Tom Savini's like horror effects look really good. Um, but it doesn't quite, uh, flesh it out to the point where it could be like really good. And so a lot of that probably has to deal with the time, uh, you know, 1982 that I'm not saying that filmmakers were less smart then, but I feel like, um, since then we've kind of progressed in, uh, the type uh, like horror, our films are even more entertaining today, um, and we're beginning to recognize a lot of the criticisms that we have with uh, these older films. And so I think this film has a lot of valid criticisms, uh, or a lot of things that people can point out, including myself. Um, but, yeah, Father's Day, that, it's still strong. I think it's one of the strongest ones. Uh, I think the fourth story, which we'll get to is my personal favorite, but is there anything else that you want to add to father's day before we move on to no, the no, King one? Yeah. I like, I liked father's day for what it was, but yeah, it, it takes a little bit to go where it's going. And like Preston said, it could have been cool to examine like further the zombie kills because you don't really see it a whole lot. Like you might see like a neck snap, but like nothing too much. Yeah. Like when Ed Harris, when Ed Harris dies, like that's cool. Like, um, he like falls up against, uh, a tombstone and then we can only assume that this zombie has telekinetic powers yeah. or it's also just moving as he moves. Like, you know, for an audience member today, I could watch this and be like, dude, just roll real fast. Yeah. You can make it. But I think he's so struck in fear because every slight movement he's making, this thing, the tombstone is moving further and further to, like, falling and crushing his head. But then when you see the shadow of the zombie, uh, which is the father, uh, you see uh, him putting up his hands. And we can assume that he has powers to build and move a tombstone. So, like, that's really cool. But it's so brief. Like, it takes so the, – the whole – short story takes so much time building things up that when it comes to the real action of it, it's just, or it happens too quickly. Yeah. It's a, it's an afterthought, but yeah, father's day. I mean, that's, that's how it starts out. Um, which is good. Uh, but going to the second story, the lonesome death of Jordy Verrill, which only stars one person, uh, Stephen King himself, who's not the best actor at all. Uh, but, it's a good, it's a decent uh, decent story. It's just like the acting is just over the top, ridiculous, and very bad by Stephen King himself, and he just plays like an idiot, you know, 
rural country hit, bumpkin country bumpkin lives by himself watches pro wrestling uh when a meteor falls on his land he goes over to check it out and he dreams to himself several times through the movie daydreams it's like oh there's a meteor that fell in my backyard i can bring it to the local college and they'll give me two hundred dollars for it and he like picks he throws water on the uh meteor and it like splits open and there's like this liquid and uh, basically right after the liquid spills out uh, and it gets some on his hands, he basically starts... Meteor to, shit. Yeah, meteor shit. That's what he says. Uh, everything starts to grow. Like, just grass and greenery grows everywhere. And until, uh, you know, a couple days later, Stephen King is just head to toe in grass, like where he looks like kind of like yeah, a swamp yeah. thing. Or Grinch. Yeah, or the Grinch, yes. Grinch... Uh, uh, and cousin it mixed together. Yes, uh, and then he like takes his own life with a really cheaply done shotgun to the face. Um, yeah. But you, you you know this this costume he wears is like a onesie. It doesn't look very good, uh, but it ended in a really cool way in how this like alien vegetation kind of takes over everything, which I thought was yeah. cool. But it, yeah, what do you think? Um, I think I like it for really strange reasons. I think I like this section, even though it's so, it's, it's probably, it's the dumbest one of them all, but, um, it is in, I keep saying the word interesting, but, um, it is an interesting or fascinating idea that, you know, a meteorite comes on earth and then it causes the earth to turn into something else, but it keep its focus is super narrow on this country bumpkin. Um, they could have done anything else to make it more interesting, but, uh, like, uh, somebody from a different, uh, plucked from another part of the world to make it a little more scary. But, um, so yeah, I was thinking of Joe dirt, the entire time, I was like, uh, "Boy, old name that, That's a big chunk of poopy. <laughs> um, so, uh, but yeah, like his him having dreams of like uh, selling it to some college or whatever it is to make money, and like that stuff's funny, um, especially when he breaks it in half, and then they're like, "Ah, we can't take this. This is worthless." And, like, just him and examining his own uh, stupidity at times is pretty funny. But, yeah, it ends on a cold note with him shooting himself. Uh, we understand why he does that. I would do the same if I was in that position. But it, it kind of reminds me of, like, a lot of the movies that kind of came out in the 80s uh, that end on that very cold note. And then the credits come up and you're like, whoa, what the fuck? Um shouldn't end that way like basket uh case kind of ends in that way where it's very cold um so it, it captures like a particular type of horror film but it's really goofy it plays like a bad episode of like goosebumps or something like that just very kind of it's very childish yeah i agree and they ha they have like this like one like small moment where it looked like Stephen King's country bumpkin's dad was like abusive to him, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and but like it's very short lived, and just like oh well, uh, whatever. <laughs> right. And just Stephen King's not a good actor. So there that is. All right. Moving on to the third vignette, uh, something to tide you over, which I love this one because it stars Leslie Nielsen as like kind of a psychopath and fucking Ted Danson out of all people. And I think this, this, I like this one because it's actually pretty frightening on like what happens because that's like kind of like a fear of mine is what happens to Ted Danson and his love interests. Uh, but I, I like this one. What do you think? Yeah. Um, it's, it's fine. I, I think I like it the most just for Leslie Nielsen's performance because he's very good in this role. Uh, I, I was watching the extras. I think it's on the extras or something I've watched recently where they kind of break down how, uh, you know, before, um, before this film came out, you know, Leslie Nielsen did do a bunch of uh, serious films and villain roles, and he was very good at them. I haven't really seen them at all um, because I know him like a lot of people for his comedy work, Naked Gun, Airplane, whatever it is. And uh, I think that's what made it more engaging for me is because he's so good at that type of role. And, but the same problem, uh, like the, the previous two segments, it runs a little long. There's nothing any, there's nothing, uh, particularly like frightening for a film. Um, like it doesn't have like any jump scares or anything that a natural horror film would. It's just kind of unnerving and uncomfortable, especially like with you saying, this is a great fear of yours to, be buried in this way and then you're just you have you can't move and so that's scary but it's more of like an afterthought like kind of scary like you think about it later it's not really scary in the moment it's more of just like man where how is he is he going to get out of this is ted danson's character going to get out of this uh is he going to outwit him i like i just don't know but um uh but yeah it's fine um but just not uh super strong in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. So there's something to tide you over. Uh, Leslie Nielsen plays kind of like this wealthy older man, psychopath who was dating somebody, but I guess this lady he was dating, uh, got with Ted Danson, of course. And, uh, Leslie Nielsen's character comes over to Ted Danson's place and is like, you got to come with me. I know all about y'all. You're coming with me. And he takes him to the beach And he tells him, well, she's over there. And he goes over there and, like, pulls a gun on him. He's like, you're going to bury yourself in the sand and the tide's going to come up. And he, like, this is 1981, so he, like, brings all this cable out to show, like, a tube TV to Ted Danson as he's buried of his love interest doing the same thing simultaneously, being buried and uh, being covered in water. So that's kind of, like the bulk of the film you're like okay that's gonna end right there but then uh, no uh zombie ghosts come back to attack leslie nielsen (laughs) in his high-tech apartment in 1982 so uh which the, the the makeup there was pretty good but it just kind of like okay we thought this was the climax but then there's like another 10 minutes of okay we didn't really need all of that but um it's okay. It's fun to see Leslie Nielsen and Ted Danson, but is, is that is that a pretty good description of what happens? 
Yeah. Um, I also think it's kind of um, cool that, you know, Leslie Nielsen, once he's Ted Danson's character is buried, he's watching it from inside his house and like how strange it is that he's like, that was a scary thing back then or like showed as a, a kind of villainous type thing for somebody to sit in front of a bunch of surveillance footage or footage when it's like so normal right now for people to kind of just watch videos all the time. So like, there's just like uh, a lot of things that are just kind of fascinating just from if you put yourself in the mindset of a viewer watching it during the year that it came out. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's a fun enough story, but yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, fourth one, I believe, uh, Preston really likes, it's called the crate and it stars the glorious yeah. Adrian Barbeau in a very horrific saving Silverman type of role. Uh, yeah. and it's, she's excellent in it. And then there's, uh, there's a guy, a very young uh, guy in the film who's in it for just a second. Uh, he meets his demise in the film, but he's the kind of the shorter actor who played the character Ollie in Stephen King's The Mist film with Thomas Jane. Uh, mm-hmm. And he's been in a bunch of things, but he's great in this, but it's called The Crate. And it's like, this is like the monster uh, one of its time. And I think it's damn good because there's a lot of elements to it that kind of plays together and kind of like has the best flow in my opinion. But what do you think? Yeah, to me, it's the, my favorite out of all of them. Um, I think it's probably the, it's the generic one out of all of them, but I feel that, um, I, I like this kind of material, especially when it's done very well. And I feel like it's done pretty well here with really like Hal Holbrook in it. Um, and then how he's just belittled all the time and made fun of. And similarly to the, the first one, like uh, getting pushed to the point where you like him having uh, fantasies about killing her. And that's just hilarious how it, some of them play out, especially one where he shoots her in the head and everybody and then, slow uh, claps. Yeah. Just <laughs> At a party. for him. And because, because he's, you could tell that they're like, cause there's shots of her like annoying all the other guests at this uh, dinner party thing. And, um, so that, that's, what's funny is that they, the rest of the people that are there understand his pain for once. And then they would <laughs> sympathize with the thought of him killing her. And so, um, yeah, there's this crate, um, that's underneath this or in this, area of a school like underneath the stairs and it says like arctic on it so and then it even says carpenter on it so yeah, maybe arctic it's kind expedition. of like a, yeah and it definitely says carpenter yeah. on it which i thought was pretty cool yeah so maybe a little uh high five to john carpenter for the thing um but uh yeah there's uh there's a monster inside that uh crate and so the janitor stumbles across it because he's like flipping a coin, trying to decide what uh, task he's going to do. And the coin rolls underneath or inside this, uh, underneath the stairs and, or whatever it is. And uh, he sees this crate and then he calls the, one of the teachers when the, 
higher ups and tells him to come there and then they open it and then the janitor's killed and uh the teacher freaks out goes in the hallway and there's like that substitute or not substitute but like that intern or um uh less high level or lower level teacher that's there and uh he gets killed and then uh then the teacher goes to Hal Holbrook's character and tells him about uh this situation and then he sees it as an opportunity to kill his wife. Yeah. So <laughs> and like through the whole short he's like unsure of everything. He's just mumbling and then like something kicks in and he's yeah. like Dexter basically. He knows exactly what he wants to do and how to plan it out. Yeah, like he's been planning it out his entire relationship, and uh, this is the way to do it. Um, so yeah, um, it's it's fun. Uh, like you said, it has a very organic flow to it, and even the way that it that it ends has like that nice uh, horror sting that a lot of some of the best horror films have, where you know the 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 bad guy of it all gets. Uh, is killed or um, locked up or whatever it is, but there's the the possibility of it getting out and attacking somebody else. And so it just kind of leaves you to create sequels in your own head. And, uh, uh, yeah, I like this one a lot. I think this actually has kind of the best practical effects, too, with, like, the the monster yeah, they the created. Yeah, the bite and the claws. There's, like, one particular cool. bite on the neck. I think it's her neck or maybe it's that, that sub teacher yeah. or intern guy that uh, gets bit in the neck. And it's funny because it, like, um, they bring in that comic book aspect. There's like a particular lighting that uh, it has when people are killed um, all throughout this entire film. There's like a red light or like just, you know, it, whenever you look at a comic book and something horrific's about to happen, like the, the color palette has to kind of show that. And the, this film does that. So whenever somebody's killed, in this instance, when uh, I think it's I think it's her that gets bit in the neck, um, and it has it looks like a mixture between blood and then sometimes it looks like water coming out of them. Yeah. Um, just because the whole the whole look of it is red, so it doesn't really doesn't have to go push that further, and so kind of gives it that that comic booky or cartoon feel. Yeah, no, I totally, totally agree. Totally, totally, totally agree. I like it a lot. Um, but yeah, great, good stuff. Uh, what about the last one? You don't like the last one because that thing would freak me out too. They're creeping up on you, the last vignette. Yeah, um, this one, I don't, I don't think it. It's, it's again like more. F- leaning uh, more into uh, frightening images than like a frightening story to me. Um, it's, it's fine as well. Like it has probably the, the scene that's, or the most frightening image of the entire film of uh, uh, roaches get inside of this uh, rich dude. And um, uh, they erupt out of him when he's dead coming out of his forehead and then one just explodes out of his chest. So, um, really good effects. Um, 
again, but I just it's just kind of like a limp way to end it, in my opinion. If they had ended it with the the fourth one, it probably would have been better to me because I think with a lot of these kind of anthologies, you really want to end it on a bang. I think uh, I forget that Woody Allen film that also is kind of like an anthology um, that the one sex in it. The title. Yeah, what you're everything about sex, but you were afraid to ask or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, like that one. The best one is the last one, and I laughed my ass off watching that. And so I feel like this one should be. They could have rearranged it a little bit better. Correct. But, correct. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, yeah, I like they're creeping up on you. It's it's because it's just you know, thousands and thousands of roaches and it's like, that's insanely scary, but they just don't do a good job. And the main actor in it was the, uh, the, what was the name? It was, um, Beverly D'Angelo's father in Christmas vacation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're not Mm -hmm. twinkling, (laughs) uh, that guy. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's, it's all right. It's okay. But I think overall the gist of the whole movie is quite fun, uh, as like yeah. creep shows whole fun. And then you come to the epilogue of the whole movie where they come back to the little kid with the comic book and like, kind of like the abuse of dad. And, uh, he, the kid gets a voodoo doll of his father and just starts going to town. And this little yeah. kid named Billy is played by Stephen King's son, uh, Joe Hill, who wrote Heart Shaped Box. Uh, horns. Yeah, and Horns. So uh, I think that was funny, and I I like Creep Show still to this day. It's so fun to watch, and they did they did two sequels. Uh, but yeah, I I still am a fan of this movie. I, I'm glad it's finally well, it's yeah. not finally on screen. Fact that they've released it a couple times, but there's a new edition, a limited edition with a big booklet and essay and stuff like that. What do you think? Which is super badass. Yes. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think over like my overall thoughts on it are as like I would probably give it a three out of five. It's it's enjoyable. Um, some stories better than other. Naturally, uh, I think each one kind of runs long. It should have been shorter, tightened up, and maybe refocused in some of the areas. Um, but overall, it's uh, it's enjoyable, uh, especially if you're into uh, horror films and. Uh, uh, Stephen King's work and George Romero's work. And so, yeah, it's fine. But yeah, the, the look of this new Scream Factory edition is just top notch. I love the, the cover art, the hard case it kind of comes with the booklet. Uh, the special features are good. Um, especially the one like they have a new, I think it's a, the new one they have with uh, like Stom, uh, Tom Savini and, some of the like production designers are one of the guys that like I think he plays the zombie or is one of the guys that's uh, in the film. But uh, they have like really cool discussions, and so I, I think it's it's more interesting to me to kind of discuss this film and uh, see other people talk about it than it is to really watch it. But uh, I still admire it a lot, and I think if you haven't seen it um, and love horror, like I would just straight up buy this uh, collector's edition because it's pre- it's really good shelf jewelry. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It is a 
is it's worth it's worth your time it's it's worth it all so um yeah definitely definitely get that it yeah. is it's a, it's a good good time for you uh but yeah that, i think that wraps up our um our 25th episode creep show uh press and should we should we talk about anything for next week or leave that a mystery? uh i guess we'll leave it a mystery just because we're getting so close like i could list some stuff but i want to make sure that you and i uh come up with a good one since we're getting pretty close to halloween and i feel like you know this this time of the uh, year they need to be good so it takes some time to kind of think it through Hell yes. Uh, but yeah, uh, look us up on um, iTunes and Stitcher Radio, Multimedia Men, Boomstick Comics, My Bloody Podcast, uh, episode 25, In the Bag. So uh, so yes, yes. Uh, where can they find you, Mr. Preston? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at Preston Barta, B-A-R-T-A. And um, you can also find me on Ditton Rick Chronicle, which is Ditton... D-E-N-T-O-N, uh, rc.com, um, where I have my weekly theatrical reviews and Blu-ray column and interviews. I have uh, an interview going up today for The Oath with Ike Barinholtz and uh, uh, Creepshow and uh, Trick or Treat and City Slickers and Get Short or Get Shorty and um, – uh, Prehysteria, I'm reviewing all those for the Blu-ray column. So if you'd like to see what I have to say about each of those in written form, you can find it on dentonrc.com. And then I'm also the features editor at freshfiction.tv, where I'm posting other people's stuff and some stuff of my own. So there's where I is. Heck yes. You can find me uh, on this podcast network and Boomstick Comics and High Def Digest. Always fun. Preston, thank you, and uh, we'll be back next week, all right? Sounds good. All right. Talk to you soon, and goodbye, boils and ghouls.